Well, good morning. Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of the Lord, to be able to worship together, come before His presence? Amen. Always look forward to this opportunity because I teach during second service and rarely am I able to come and be with you during second service and worship with you. So this is just a blessing for me to be able to to come and be here this morning with you. Uh, Did everyone have a pretty good week, a good week? Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) I had a great week. We took... um, uh, 56 of our senior adults to Branson this week, and uh, so I was out of the office. The, the, the staff claps, yay! And uh, we just had a wonderful time in Branson, and and uh, was able to spend a few days there and see some different sights and shows. Um, but uh, it's always good. Our main reason to go is to attend whatever sight and sound is uh, doing at that time. And, and so this year they're doing uh, the story of Esther uh, based on the Old Testament book of Esther, of course. And that was just phenomenal. I would encourage you to either hurry up and get to be a senior so you can go with us next time or, um, or go down and, and see that uh, for yourselves. But, but it's just a phenomenal production. And... Um, Really enjoyed that. So uh, anyway, I, I hope your football team won this weekend yeah. or today or whenever they play. Um, I, I enjoyed watching a pretty good game yesterday. Um, so uh, some of you may know that, uh, that uh, I root for a certain team, and I'm not going to stand up here and boast or anything, but I thought it was a pretty good day. Well, we're in the middle of the sermon series based on the I am statements that the Gospel of John gives to us. This morning we're going to be looking again at chapter 10 of John and verse 11 that says, I am the good shepherd. These are the words of Jesus and the statement as in all of the I am statements, when it's written as it was written in the Greek um, during Jesus' time, there is a significant emphatic connotation that comes out because of the syntax of the statement. It's more than just conversation. Jesus is declaring something, and the Greek is able to give it the intensity and the fullness of what Jesus is saying. In the King James Version, in these statements, Jesus, it would be translated, verily, verily, I say unto you, or in some of the newer translations, it may just say, truly, truly. And that signifies something of importance that we need to pay attention to. And so as John writes his Gospels and he includes these seven I am statements, he does this for a specific purpose, 
for each of us. In these statements, Jesus is giving us a look at the very nature and character of the divine. He is telling us and telling those that he was teaching that there is something that is specific about who he is. Not the human nature of Jesus, but completely the divine nature. I hope that in these messages that Pastor Bob has preached in these last few weeks and in the messages that are still to come, that you are brought into a clearer focus of how the divine trinity of creation desires to influence and impact the whole realm of humanity. As we, were, as we were also reminded last Sunday, this is important because we have an adversary, one who seeks to kill and steal and destroy us, an adversary of our souls that wants us to keep away from the truths of God and who he truly is so that we would experience eternal destruction. Stand with me out of respect for God's word as I read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's pray. Father, as again, we're so thankful to be in your presence. Lord, it is of nothing that we can do. It is only through your son Jesus and the shed blood that he gave for us that we can come before you and worship you this day and come into your presence. We kneel and bow at your footstool, recognizing and acknowledging, Lord, who you are and who you are in our lives. So, Father, may your word, Lord, speak to each of our hearts. May your spirit, Lord, work in us that we might have ears to hear, hearts, Lord, to receive, and spirits to commune with you this day. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Again, I want to look at this verse a little closer. As it says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Notice the word all. It's inclusive. It's all of us. No one is an exception to what is being said here. That we all are like sheep who have gone astray. And then it goes on to say, each of us. Again, this all-inclusive message that comes through this verse 
is for each of us. Each of us has turned to our own way. In the NLT version, it, it, it says it like this, that we have turned away from God and we have followed in our own paths. We have gone in our own direction. This indicates to us that there is a depraved nature that is inherent in all of us. Each and every one of us was born into depravity and received this nature from birth. And the Lord has laid on him, him being Jesus Christ, the sins or the iniquities of all of us, of us all. Now when we read that verse and we see that verse, from the very beginning as we understand it is inclusive to all of us, praise God that he sent his son into the world who would be willing to go to the cross and take all of our iniquities upon him so that we might, as we sang early, earlier, have freedom in Christ Jesus. That's an amen. Thank you, Lord, for coming and taking on the iniquities of us all. Dr. Lynn Anderson wrote a book on spiritual leadership in the 21st century, and it's titled, The Smell, They Smell Like Sheep. Interesting title. I think I got it just because of the title, but it's a good book. Listen to the quote which declares the Son of God who came into the world. He says, think of it. Jesus left the comforts of heaven and came into our universe, our pasture, to smell like sheep. Jesus sweated like we do. He walked on our pathways braved our wolves, faced our temptations, and shared our struggles, the Holy One of Israel came in Christ Jesus to be our good shepherd. Our good shepherd. What I want us to realize first is this. To truly understand the immenseness of what we're saying here, what we're reading, and what Jesus gives to us and tells us of the shepherd, we must acknowledge the realization that we are all like sheep. More specifically, as Dr. Anderson says, smelly sheep. Does this offend anybody? Does this offend anyone at all? Just turn to your neighbor and say, you sure do smell. <laughs> Are you offended now? <clears throat> now you might be offended a little bit. <laughs> 
I kind of get offended at this. In all honesty, and I imagine you do too as well, to, to be equated with an animal. Now listen, we go out every day and we see all kinds of animalistic behaviors of those who are not animals. They just act that way. I see that all the time. I'm sure you do as well. And I think sometimes Pastor John can be a little bit like that. (laughs) Thank you, honey. And uh, Dr. Anderson clarifies by referring to us as smelly sheep. Mm. It is well known that in the time of Jesus, when he was here in this earth, tending sheep was not what a young Jewish boy would aspire to do. Now, historically, in the Jewish people, in the Old Testament, a shepherd was kind of someone special, revered. But in Jesus' day, they, the shepherds, were, well, they were not very high on the social ladder. They were a little despised because of what they did, the work that they did, hurting, being around smelly sheep. But this is what the Scriptures tell us. All we, all of us, have wondered We're like sheep. To think of ourselves as smelly sheep is difficult. And there's two reasons I want to offer to you this morning as to why this is. First, doesn't just the thought of that go against everything that is within us? Our human nature? No, we don't want to think of ourselves as sheep. No way. Didn't Jesus say that in order for you to follow him, in order for us to be able to follow him, that there has to be a time when we come to denial? Denial of really thinking ourselves of something more than what we truly are. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. This is the greatest, listen, this is the greatest hindrance for all of us. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote, said that he had to come to a place in his life where he had to confess that he was the least of all the apostles, all of those who had been called by Jesus to follow him. Paul says, I am the least of all of those. There seems to be an issue that we have to deal with and is always right there to come up and hinder us from being able to deny ourselves and follow Christ, and that is our prideful nature. 
our inherent nature. Secondly, this is true because it is completely contrary to the the messages that the world is constantly bombarding us with. A false reality of the world. The false messages of the world that is trying to convey to us that we are something special. Again, appealing to our prideful self. I think this is so true today. Much different than the older generations that had to face all of this and the messages. Our young people are constantly, daily bombarded with these false messages of the world. I talk to grandparents who tell me about their grandchildren and what they're facing and what they're going through. And it's just, it's just mind-blowing what they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. It's not something that, that you know, was just suggested or just thought of you know, that existed back in my day as a youth. But today, it is right in their face. It's wide open, and they are being bombarded with these messages of who they are supposed to be instead of who God created them to be. Am I right? They are having to deal with this all the time. But when we come to the point that we say, yes, the writer, the prophet Isaiah was right. We all are like sheep. Our greatest sin is that we may be constantly gauging the shepherd, seeing the shepherd through the eyes and through the lens of the world and everything around us instead of who he truly is and who he came to show us to be. It's our pride that keeps us from experiencing the true nature and heart of the shepherd. In John chapter 3, this is illustrated for us. John the Baptist and his followers were having a discussion about Jesus. John writes, So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, The man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. Wow. That's pretty bold on the part of John's disciples. And John replied to them and said this, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. In Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the verse that I just read reads like this. 
It's not impossible for a person to succeed. I'm talking about eternal success without heaven's help. In other words, what is saying, what he's saying is this, everything that we have, anything that we have that helps us to succeed in this life is nothing from what we are able to do, nothing from what what we try to achieve, nothing that we want to acclaim for ourselves, it is only because of Jesus and it comes from heaven. Then John, John the Baptist declares to his disciples in verse 30, he must become greater. And I must become less. That's not just true for John the Baptist. Brothers and sisters, that's true for each and every one of us. If we truly want to see and know God the way that He desires us to know Him, it has to be from the heart that says, I must decrease, become less, and Jesus must increase in my life. How are we going to be able to give the word of truth of Christ to the world out of our own selves, who we are? It's only because God is in us and He is shining and living and just being Christ to those around us that the world will see who he is. I must decrease. Christ must increase and become greater in my life. I hope that is your prayer this morning. I don't want to belabor this point because I want to get to what Jesus is wanting us to see and experience But I have to always be in the right place and understand if I'm not, it's impossible to experience Christ until we are in a place of submitting our lives and humbling ourselves before Him. So how, this morning, is your life decreasing and His increasing. The second thing in this message that Jesus gives to us, the shepherd knows his sheep and he gives up his life for them. The shepherd knows his sheep and he gives up his life for him for them. In the Passion Translation, verse 3 of chapter 10, we read, For he calls his own by name, and he leads them out. He calls his own by name, and he leads them out. Verses 14 and 15, Jesus says this, I alone, that means I'm the only one, I alone am the good shepherd. 
And I know those whose hearts are mine, for they recognize me and they know me, just as my Father knows my heart and I know my Father's heart. I am ready to give my life for the sheep. Now, when you look at those verses in 14 and 15, you see that word knows. My sheep know me and I know them, just as I know the Father and my Father knows me. That word know comes from the Old Testament and it talks about an intimacy that takes place. It is used in other ways to describe the intimacy between a husband and a wife. It's the same word, the same word know, that talks about the intimacy that Jesus wants us to have with him. The same intimacy that Jesus has with the Father through Christ. He wants us to have that intimacy with our Heavenly Father. That's how significant this is. And he says, my sheep, they know my voice. I call them by name. Jesus was nearing the time of the purpose in coming to the world, and that was to go to the cross where he would go and he would sacrifice himself and take our sins to the cross. So Jesus is speaking here of what is soon to take place. In the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells us about a story, a story of two men. One was rich and the other was poor. One lived lavishly with the finest of everything, and the other lived a beggar's life. They lived the fullness of their earthly life, but when they died, they went to different places. The poor beggar went to the bosom of Abraham, where Abraham was, a place called paradise. The other went to a place called Hades or Gehenna, two very different places. And you can read the story for yourselves. But for me, the most distinctive point of Jesus' story is not how differently these two lived or where they ended up when they died, but the fact that Jesus gives us the name of one, but not the other. That's interesting to me. The beggar who went to paradise has a name, and his name is Lazarus. He's remembered, but the rich man was just, listen to this, just another face in the crowd, part of the many who are on the Broadway, the broad road to destruction. You may say, Pastor John, God knows everyone because he knows everything. And you would be right. I'd agree with you. However, 
there's a clear difference between those who know the gentle whisper of the shepherd, who hear his voice, who has received the care of the shepherd, and who understands and receives the sacrifice of the shepherd. And then there are those who don't know, for if they did, he would call them by name. Brothers and sisters, if you know the Good Shepherd, you can be assured He knows your name and He calls you by your name, for you belong to Him. This is for the sheep that follow Him. At night, when danger approaches, the shepherd builds a pen out of boulders and bramble bushes, and he has the opening to the pen, and the sheep enter into that opening, and there, the shepherd, he stands there. He calls them by name so that none have wandered away. He looks over them to make sure that none have been injured. And it's that personal care that endears the sheep to the shepherd. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that today. I love this quote by Merrill Tenney. Recognition of the voice of the shepherd involved familiarity with it. The summons of Jesus brought response from those who finally followed him because in him they recognized the accents of Jehovah who had already spoken to them in the revelation of the Old Testament as Peter states in John 6, 68, Thou hast the words of eternal life. The inherent quality of Jesus' teachings identified him as the true shepherd of souls. This concept is supported by the shepherd's own claim stated in the verse, I and the Father are one. The third point that I want to bring out today is this. You can't help to see the parallel of the Good Shepherd and the 23rd Psalm. It is of God's sacrificial love. The parallel of the Good Shepherd and the 23rd Psalm is of God's sacrificial love. When you read this passage in John 10, immediately I get this vision. 
in my mind of David's shepherd psalm. The good shepherd is our provider. He is our protector. And he is our promise keeper. There are many portraits of Jesus as the good shepherd. I know you probably have seen some of those portraits. But the one that is most significant to me is one that he is carrying a lamb on his shoulders. Sometimes when a lamb would often stray from the flock, the shepherd would have to go and find it. And sometimes the lambs would continually stray until the shepherd would have to literally break the leg of the lamb. But thankfully, the shepherd did not leave the lamb to be dinner for the wolves. He would take the lamb and he would set the leg and then he would put the lamb around his neck on his shoulders and carry the lamb. The lamb would never stray again and the reason is because he would stay on his shoulders until the leg was healed and he became so familiar with the shepherd that from that point on when he could walk again he would never leave the shepherd's side. I see myself as that lamb. I am reminded of the times when I have strayed, when I have drifted away from the shepherd, from the flock, and I'm reminded again and again and again that when the shepherd, when he finds me and he picks me up and he sets me on his shoulders, that for every part of my life, for every stage of life, it is provided for me and overseen completely by the Good Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
surely good mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you look at the psalm, the first verse says it all. Because the Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing that I need. Everything that I need is in Him. And then you read the other verses. It talks about all of the aspects, all of the circumstances, all the experiences of life and what we go through. All of us in our own experiences, in our own situations, all of those things. The shepherd is there. The shepherd is protecting. The shepherd is providing. The shepherd is keeping his promises. And then finally, you get to the final verse, verse 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the good shepherd of my life. I want to close with this. All of the I am sayings of Jesus, of all of those sayings, I believe that this one, this one that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, is the one that is central to the rest of them. It is most significant because of how it relates to our lives. I love this passage of Scripture. I love the analogy of the shepherd. And I know that this sermon this morning you may not have gleaned any deep theological insights. There may have not been a lot of aha moments. But it is just simply reminding us who Jesus is. Reminding us and distinguishing us between who are his sheep and who are still wandering apart from the shepherd. Look what Jesus' words caused among the Jews. In verse 19, John says, when he had said these things, 
the people, being the Jews, were divided. They were divided in their opinions about who Jesus was. You know what? 2,000 years later, that hasn't changed much, has it? People are still divided about who Jesus is and who he said he was and who he came to be. I pray that each of us will understand who we are and who he is to us. Let me pray. And then I'm going to turn the service back over to Pastor Justin. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. The word that you gave to us through your son. And Father, I pray for those who have yet recognized who Jesus truly is. I pray, Father, that you would, you would draw them, speak to their hearts, and help them to see, Lord, the Good Shepherd, His care, His protection, His provision. And Father, I pray for those, oh, there are many who are still trying to live with the world, trying to find their way to you. I pray, Father, that they would come to a, a place where they would just let go of all of the world that they seek or try to have and realize that, God, what you are able to do and what you are able to give cannot even be compared to anything that this world has to offer. And Father, I pray for those who have given themselves to you. They know the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd knows them. I pray, Father, that as they continue to be led by the shepherd that they would continue to trust, to follow, to depend, and to look to Jesus for all of the days of their lives. And then the shepherd will take them to be with him for all eternity. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we could be in your presence and we bless the name of our Lord. Amen.